I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Here on the DraftKings Network. Uh, welcome back, day two. We made it. Wow. They didn't turn the lights off. Wow. How about that? I, I don't cool. know how that happened. I thought Jesse would be the only one that made it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I had to talk to some people, but they decided to keep oh, you, you guys. Oh, you got so. us a day, day two. Appreciate that. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, Pulled yeah. some strings here. Mike Gullick Jr., Mike Gullick Sr., Jesse mm-hmm. Cofield. Uh, for everyone that may have forgotten since yesterday, if you're new here, if you're old here, welcome either way. Uh, we got a great show for you guys, as always. Download, subscribe rate and review. We are brought to you by Wrangler, made for the ride for life. Save 15% on your first Wrangler.com order with promo code GOJO15. Fun one today. Uh, got a lot to get to. Uh, podcaster pooped his pants yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Ronald Acuna Jr. did more of the coolest things on earth and seems to be back ahead in the MVP I, race. And we may disagree about if it was a cool thing or not. It was cool, but was it cool? It was cool, but was it cool? I feel like you're trying to make that a thing in a way it's not a thing. Well, yeah, I'm trying. Like, I don't think cool has two meanings. No, this does. This does. I'll explain. All right, we're going to get that explanation. We call that a tease. 
We're also going to get an explanation on what cool is from a guy who used to wear cool hats very often. Uh, Super Bowl winning uh, coach Bruce Arians yep. is going to join the show here today. A lot of changes in the program he's still a part of, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, walking into life post-Tom Brady. Uh, with Baker Mayfield as the starter there. As we were on cutdown day in the uh, NFL today, Dad, uh, the Turk, whatever you refer it to as, is getting ready to begin today. The NFL teams have till 4 p.m. Eastern to trim down their rosters to the 53 players uh, that will be on the active roster, and then we'll go towards the 16 now. That was number elevated from back when I was trying to make in the right. NFL. It was only 10 during the pandemic and other things, now you've got it bumped to 16 practice squad players well, that which you can is, have for your yeah, team. Listen, which is great. More jobs. I mean, you go to your era was 10. My era was none. You either made the team or you didn't. <laughs> that was it. You were gone. Uh, but this is, this, listen, this is a, a tough day, and it normally used to be in segments. So this last cut day was fewer people than teams still have to cut 30-some players. I mean, this is a, a massive cut day. And for the most part, they know where they're going already. And I like you, you mentioned what the Pittsburgh Steelers did and Mike Tomlin. They cut a lot of their guys already. Remember, that's a key thing because Mike Mayock was on yesterday saying, teams, that's what they're looking for. Who hits the waiver wire? If you're going to cut a guy, you may want to bring somebody in from another team. Uh, so that, that's kind of how this circular thing works. And the sooner you cut somebody, the sooner that another team will know he's available, you know, and possibly be on their team. So yeah. it, it, it's a... It, it, it's there, there's something to it. There's some thought press to it, but it is a massive cut day. Yeah, I was going to say for the the nuts and bolts of that. Field Gates tweeted this uh, earlier. Players with fewer than four seasons of service hit waiver waivers, and waiver claims were processed by noon Eastern tomorrow. Players let go with more than four seasons become free agents immediately right. and can sign anywhere at 401 Eastern. Other things that are going to be relevant, if players are moved to the pup list for today, they'll miss a minimum of four games. Right. IR means you are out, not eligible and you are out for the entire season. So all that you're paying attention to. But, Dad, it is a tough one, and, and there's everyone's got a different relationship with this day. You know, for me, this was the end. At every, t every turn where right. I was trying to play pro football. And you were a guy, say, say for once, made it to the last cut. Yeah, right? so made it to the last cut. The other time I was cut in June uh, while riding an elevator back up to my hotel room with a Subway sandwich. I hope it was a good sandwich. It was what, a good. What I mean, sandwich was it? What do you remember? Do you recall the exact type yeah, of sandwich? Yeah. How I, focused were you on that moment? Yeah. At that point, I was in a big Philly cheesesteak era. Mm -hmm. I used to go for the Philly cheese, green peppers in there with that chipotle mayo sauce okay. that they had. So had that in a bag. I made sure I ate the sandwich before because it was one of those. You just don't have silver, service in an elevator. So I got in the elevator. I'm coming back from workouts that day. We get done at noon. I was catching up on Game of Thrones, so I was probably midway through season four, right. uh, getting caught up. And I get to the top floor of the elevator, and you see the red notification dot on your phone. And it was a number with the Pittsburgh area code that I didn't have. And I said, oh, this can't be good. Yeah. And it's, uh, hey, Mike, someone from the facility is coming over to bring you over to the facility. Coach wants to talk to you. Bring your playbook. Oh, and I feel it. like yeah. because of Hard Knocks, this is yeah. one of the things yeah. that Hard Knocks sort of made mainstream in the lexicon is that idea of, hey, coach wants to see you in his office. Bring your playbook. Because Hard Knocks brought people in. That was probably among the other things that it revolutionized access-wise. I feel like one of the things that resonated with viewers so much is you saw these moments right. where coaches and GMs had to sit down and end somebody's dream. 
In some cases, you have veteran players who they're used to this process. They're guys that will have a chance going on to another roster that will supplement someone in the roster and just weren't right for this particular team. But for a lot of guys, that's the end of a road that started yeah. in the fourth or fifth grade. And people saw the emotion of that moment and really latched onto it. I was always like, man, that sucks. That's the worst moment of that dude's life. Why do we have a camera on right now? Leave him alone. Well, I mean, that's what basically Hard Knocks is, is a documentary, right, about or a live yeah. look at the team. So you want to see the good and the bad. It, it, listen, it, it's always been a tough day. I, I got a story, though. My first year in Houston, well, I broke my ankle in camp my first, my rookie year, so I was on IR. You were, dra- was, you were drafted in the 10th round. Drafted in the 10th round. Yes, kids, there were, there were more than seven rounds at one point. <laughs> I was drafted in the 10th round of a 12-round draft, and I broke my ankle in training camp, early on in training camp, and was on IR the whole year, so that, that first year w- was, was done. So the set, next year comes back, I come back and I'm having training camp and it's coming to the end of training camp. And again, as a player, you kind of know the amount of players at your position, how many they're gonna keep, where you think you fall. And, and, and I was kind of right on teetering. I thought I, was, I thought I was gonna make the team, but you know, you still are like, I'm not sure, I have nothing guaranteed. Well, at that point, my, my wife's father, Ken Hansen, God rest his soul. That's right. <laughs> he, he but the, the day before cut day, he called the, the Houston Oilers office and, and got a, a receptionist or somebody on the phone and acted like he was from the media and, and threw some story out there about a deadline and getting information. I promise I won't say anything until the cuts are made. He threw this whole cockamamie story out there, right, about, about why he needed the names, but he wouldn't release them until everybody else knew about him. And he got him. He got all the cut names before anybody did. Obviously, there's nothing to go public with, but he called me and basically said I made the team. And I sure as hell didn't believe him. I I, I appreciate you wanting me to make the team, but, and he goes, no, no, no. You made the team. I have the cut list. I'm like, are you kidding me? He's like, no, no, no. I know everybody who got cut, you're on the team. And, and I was still nervous because I didn't know how much to believe him. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. most of you don't know my late grandfather. Oh, my gosh. He was one for practical jokes, yeah, yeah. schemes. He was all about and that, it. If, can you imagine if that was a practical joke, how mean that would have been? Can you I imagine mean, just in this day yeah. and age being able to call up oh, like, I front office and just being like, hey, this is a reporter from blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was stunning. I wonder what outlet he claimed yeah. to be a part of, yeah. too. Or if it, I'm from the media. Right, yeah. but this is like back in the day, you couldn't like just quick do a little Google search on someone's name and be like, oh, this is legit. Yeah. Like, so oh. it's kind of like, well, I guess you are a reporter from the Chronicle. Yeah, <laughs> just hilarious. The, the Chronicle. Which Chronicle? Well, I'm just the Chronicle. The, the Chronicle. Chronicle. Yeah. We're in general, the Chronicle. I'm Ken Hansen. You haven't yeah. seen me around the building before? Come on. I, mean, I, I really, it was tough for me to believe. And as you mentioned, he is a practical joker. But that would have been a horrific practical oh joke. Oh, my God. At the end of the call, Mike, just kidding. <laughs> I've been like, seriously. But he, he had the names, and he knew I didn't get cut. He had that down. And so... While I rested a little easier, again, I still wasn't sure until I didn't get that knock or I didn't get that phone call in the last cut. Yeah, it's, it's, that is one of the more insane cut day stories I have ever heard. I, obviously, it's an exciting day for fans of teams as they get ready to see what their roster is going to look like heading into the season. Uh, it is a tough day for a lot of those guys out there, obviously guys that we've been in the shoes of. So 
Uh, you've already made it farther than so many other people yeah. who are going to try and do what you do. There is a lot of valor in that. And you never know what can happen after that. That's going to be the other part of this is now you get to the stay ready process where teams are going to sit you down. Mike Mayock talked about it yesterday. You and I both heard the same speech. Hey, we like you a lot. You're on our short list. You're in our system. Stay ready. Injuries happen. It's a long season. Yeah, and, and the good thing now um, is they have USFL, uh, XFL yeah. back. So you have a way to keep going. I mean, when you were playing and trying to continue to make it, they made up a league, the XFF. The FXFL. FXFL, that's it. You can see why it didn't last. I just know, too hard to I say. know. You played in that and I went up to, to Canada for a bit. But guys, at least there are places to continue to try and live that dream. Um, and, and I'm happy about that. And that's why I always hope one of these leagues catches on with the NFL in a partnership, like the NFL had the uh, uh, NFL Europe, you know, w which I thought was great. It just turned out to be too expensive for the league, and they were, it would need some, something like that in the States where players can go and hone their skills. Because I'm telling you, the difference of the, of the last cuts, when the guys get cut and the, and the guys that made the team, is, is so small. It is paper thin. So for the players to still have an opportunity in other leagues, I, I, I think is great. Yeah, and, and so that's something we're still going to wait on there. But as we mentioned for fans, you're trying to see how your roster takes right. shape. And Jesse, for some teams, that answer may not be exactly what you were hoping for. Yeah, uh, this was probably not on any like reporter's bingo cards. I don't know. <laughs> uh, news breaking yesterday that Colt McCoy was being released. I mean, this is somewhat of a shock, right? Considering Jonathan Gannon announcing that Kyler Murray not going to be activated off the physically unable to perform list before today's deadline. So the quarterback room of the Cardinals going to look a little different this season, right? So no Colt McCoy. I know he's 36. He's a veteran guy, but a lot of people figured, you know, he'd be the backup here. No, we have Joshua Dobbs and Clayton Toon. So, and Jonathan Gannon's like, yeah, I'm not going to name a starter. Like, <laughs> basically got to see some football played first from these dudes. So, guys, what do we think about this decision here? Uh, yeah, take I a think, breath. Yeah. Take I think it in. I think that's the sound of the tank rolling in to the <laughs> battlefield well, here. I mean, listen, this is just another move from them. Remember, they traded Isaiah Simmons, their first-round pick a couple years ago to the Giants. They traded offensive lineman Josh Jones uh, to Houston. And then they brought in Dobbs. Now the offensive coordinator uh, with the Cardinals is Drew, is Drew uh, Petring, who, who was the coordinator in Cleveland. Yes, with Where Dobbs. Dobbs was. So he knows that system going in and then uh, as you talked about tune there as well the rookie the fifth rounder now colt mccoy had some injury issues right he's 36 years old so i don't know if there was a lack of trust there in his injuries or if this is you know what kind of roster do we want to put on the field tanking because everybody's going to talk about tanking tanking in the nfl is very very difficult to do yeah uh, there's so many players on the roster it's difficult to do but you know your quarterback isn't going to be playing for the first four weeks. I think Josh Dobbs is going to be the guy there because, again, yeah. the familiarity with he and the offensive coordinator to start the season before Kyler Murray comes back. And then if this team truly, this team is truly one of the worst in the league as far as rosters are concerned, right? You never know what can happen when you get on the field and the ball is snapped and all that. But, but. from a roster standpoint, it is not good, which will bring up the scenario of what happens if they have a bad year and a high pick 
with the few quarterbacks, with the quarterback coming out next year, is this the end for Kyler Murray? And there's a whole bunch of salary cap and dead money implications that we can get into. But you wonder, is this, is this the last test year for Kyler Murray? And it isn't even a test because he got his money. So, but is this is going to be his last year on the field for the Cardinals? There's a lot of pressure on Kyler Murray yeah. walking into this season. He's coming off an ACL injury. He's not going to be available for at least the first four, first right. four weeks of the season. And last year, when he was injured and out, I think they lost all but one game where he wasn't the starter. You're walking into a season now where not only do you want to get back out there and play well just because that's what you want to do, but you've got to now prove to a staff and regime that did not draft you, that has no affinity for you, aside from the fact that they've got to play you this year. You've got to convince them that all of the things that we've seen publicly over the last couple of years since Kyler Murray signed that deal, the homework clause, the public back and forth, what seemed like on-field sideline bickering with him and Cliff Kingsbury, who's no longer there now, you've got to convince them oh, this isn't me, and you haven't had a ton of on-field time to do that now with them up until this point, and now you're going to have to go do it in front of live bullets. So for Kyler Murray, there's a lot of your NFL future up in the air because there's certainly been talent there. No one's ever been able to dispute that. The Cardinals season back in 2021, obviously incredibly productive. It nets him that deal, but you're looking out, and I'm sure a lot of people are going, all right, based on the influx of young quarterbacks coming into this league, who would really be in a position to want to take a chance on Kyler Murray based on what we've seen and heard so far? I, I agree. And then you throw in the injury as well. Now you throw in a new coaching staff. So that's a new system that he's learning as well. And he's a guy that will improvise a lot anyway because he's so good getting out, you know, outside the pocket, making a play or running and being dangerous with his legs as well as throwing the ball downfield. So there's a lot stacked against him right now from not being able to practice, missing the first four weeks. Josh Dobbs knowing this offense. I don't think anybody's thinking Josh Dobbs Dobbs is a future quarterback or even Clayton Toons is a future quarterback of the Cardinals. But the bigger question is going to be here, is this Kyler Murray's last year? Because we saw what the Cardinals did when they had the first-round pick and for one year right, and and went next year and got Kyler Murray. I was going to say, this is sort of like the past being predictive when we looked at Green Bay. Hey, Aaron Rodgers was a child of the Brett Favre end of that era and conducted himself in much of the same way. Kyler Murray, you came into this league as somebody who was supplanting a former first-round pick. Why would you expect that they would do you any different? Now, again, different GM, different head coach, different regime, who also, by the way, has to send a message to people about what kind of organization they are. Because let's be frank, Dad, looking at the last iteration of what the Cardinals have been, not exactly a ringing endorsement for your opinion around the league between that player survey that we saw go out that the NFLPA put out, where there were a ton of things about the Cardinals organization that were lackluster. I saw NFL agents were recently polled and said a lot of similar things about the Cardinals and how they view them around the league. And so all of the people that you would potentially recruit as free agents and even draft picks. Like, we're still going to wait and see. And I'd be fascinated if the Cardinals really are in the prospect of the number one overall pick. Caleb Williams, the presumptive number one overall pick out of USC, came out the other day and played coy about the prospect of declaring for the 2024 draft. And we see a lot of prospects do this. They don't want to be a distraction going into the season. They say, this will be a decision that I'll make with the information I have after the year. But people are always going to wonder, now that you can get paid in college football in the NIL world, right. would a prospect with that kind of 
ability to stick behind at a team in USC that's going to be competitive each and every year where he can make money, would there be a thought of, well, hey, if I don't like who's got the number one overall pick that might potentially take me, would I stay behind and forego the draft in that season and roll the dice and hope that an organization that I view as more competent is holding the card You're taking that chance? So NIL, let's say he gets a couple of million dollars, all right? Give him a couple of million dollars. I was going to say, we don't know what the figures we, we, are in a we, lot of these deals. We do but not know. Let's say these quarterbacks so, are making into seven figures. So now, are you are you going to take that chance of a guaranteed, where are we at now at the number one pick? 35 $37 million. Remember, their, their yeah. contracts are guaranteed. About 35 $37 million. Or going back to school with the possibility of getting hurt. You're going to mess with that. Because if you be the number one pick this year, after this year, $37 million, but you may not like it. Let's just use Arizona. Say Arizona's number one. You're like, I don't want to go to that organization. I'll go back to school, make my one or $2 million, which is quite honestly a pittance to what he's going to make in the NFL, and risk that number one pick. I don't think he does it. Oh, I, I would not do it either. Yeah. I don't think it's advisable at this point. We'll get to a conversation coming down the road of if changes in college football beget a situation where that's something more realistic. But right now, I'm with you. There's a lot of things that can happen, but it is just a reminder of you do that and you go to try and get that guaranteed money because there's nothing that says, and we're going to see it with a bunch of quarterbacks that just came in this last class. Some organizations are going to screw these guys up. Yeah, they are. We see it happen all the time. That position is so dependent on where you land, the competency of the coaching staff, who they're going to put around you, the offensive line that you're playing in front of, all these things that are out of your control that might derail your career so that by the time you get done with that first contract, that's all you've got. So that's why some people might look at it as a bit more of a thought process, but I'm with you. I don't think the financials have caught up to the reality of that situation. And so ultimately, Dad, before we get done here, Kyler Murray, do you think he is the quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals come the start of the 2024 season? I, I don't. I, I questioned his, his, the pick of, of him when he came into the league and wasn't sure about it. Now, we saw some great things out of him. We saw some bad things out of him. And then we saw some injuries out of him as well. So if you ask me right now, I'd probably say no, but that's com- completely not knowing how he's going to be in this new system. And he's going to get the chance, albeit four less games, because he has to miss at least four games, so we'll see. But now he has to acclimate to this new system, uh, uh, new, uh, some new players as well, and a roster that isn't very good. And quite honestly, a defense that's not going to help him very much. So he's probably going to have to do more things that he probably doesn't want to do out of the norm of the offense than he would normally do because they're going to be behind in a lot of games. It's certainly, like you said, tanking a complicated situation, but when a team shows you who they are, believe them, seems like the Cardinals are starting to shed what they had and look forward to what they might be. Speaking of what it might be, coming up next, let's take a look at what college football might be if some head coaches have their way. Next. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. 
Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister U.S., White Plains, New York. Oh, Joe and Golick, I certainly wish I could have made money back in the day as an athlete. Jim Harbaugh agrees he opened his Monday news conference with a six-minute, it was almost six-minute statement advocating for revenue sharing with student athletes. So he said we should be about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm calling for a system that is fair, equitable, and benefits all involved. Don't exclude the student athletes from the profits. My opinion, you can't say you're about diversity, equity, and inclusion if you aren't willing to include the student athletes in revenue sharing. We have to try to make it work. We have to try to make it better. And right now, the current status quo is unacceptable and won't survive. In my opinion, we capitalize on the talent. We should pay the talent for their contributions to the bottom line. So, fellas, I feel like the idea of revenue sharing is good, right? You want these student athletes perhaps to be, I mean, they're putting their bodies on the line. In some cases, kids get injured, you know, and they don't have a future in the sport. But at the same time, the revenue sharing piece, it's pretty complicated. Oh, my gosh. Unbelievable. You know who's screaming, yeah, go get them, Jim, is the basketball players. <laughs> because yeah. of the NCAA tournament that brings in almost a billion dollars. Yep. said, yeah. Let's split that up. We don't have 85 scholarship athletes on this team. You know, we got 12 or 13 Show me or the money, 15, baby. So Show me the money. You, I, I, Jesse, I completely, 100% agree with what you said. In theory, it sounds good, but man, this would be a project. Now you're unionizing the players. I mean, now you're, now you're employees. I mean, it, it completely changes the landscape here. Um, and I think this something like this, if it were going to happen, would only happen if football separates from the rest of the sports, like we've been talking Which about. Which everyone's arguing right. for anyway right so, now. But that's still a process as well. I mean, to talk about things that to, to happen and for them to happen. Now, what, what has been happening that people have predicted is the moving around of teams in different conferences. So I don't think we ever saw the Pac-12 completely going away. And now it is. So I, I get it. We could get to that point. But I, I don't think it will happen until football separates completely. And I think that's going to be a bit of a project to do. So from a timing standpoint, I have no idea where this would go. And it would be so complicated to unionize all these players. Now they need a leader, right? Now well, they need someone I, I guess I'm saying it'd be complicated because there's a lot of numbers, but we have a model for this. Like, they do it in pro sports all the time. We know exactly how it works. Like, it's not like we're inventing something that hasn't existed. You know, it's just we're doing it with a lot more players, but we know if you're going to break away, we're really talking about the Power Five breaking away. Yes. So something in the area of 64 teams, that's a lot easier to manage than the 130-plus right now, even on that scale. So, yeah, it's complicated, but it's not anything we haven't done before. I, and the question yeah. becomes, should this be what happens here? Jim Harbaugh and others who bring this up, by the way, this is Cruton. ABC, always be Cruton. You know what sounds great to a kid right now? If you're the one advocating for him to get paid. That is the world of college sports that we live in right now. Nick Saban talked about this at SEC Media Day. 
He was asked about players unionizing and revenue share. He said, unionize it. Make it the NFL. If it's going to be the same for everyone, I think that's better than what we have now. What we have now is having some states and some schools and some states that are investing a lot more money in terms of managing their rosters than others. I think this is going to create a real competitive disadvantage for some in the future. I'm not stunned that coaches are advocating for this because one, like I said, it sounds great for recruits. And number two, they already see the way the system is going. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're In their little kingdom, they're saying, well, we've already kind of been operating with the idea that we are different. Why don't we just make it official? Now I've got more control because right now in the world of NIL and collectives, these guys are robbed of some of that control because you got outside booster money making a lot of these decisions. I'm sure these coaches in an honest moment, and a lot of them are taking it to the streets, would love the chance to bring all that back well, in-house and have control over their roster in that way. I think what one of the things they would like is the uniformity of it and the fact that if you're unionizing and what we're talking about, there's going to have to be a CBA, right? There's going to have to be negotiations in yeah. a CBA. And then everything is laid out. Right now, nothing. I mean, the NIL, there are no guardrails. The portal is go play, you know, wherever you want. So it, it is kind of a scattershot thing right now. So I get what you're saying, that it would make it a little more tidy, but making it tidy, we're just looking at the end product, getting there, starting this. I mean, how, how you know, get revenue sharing. Well, is each player individually doing his contract? Is every player getting the exact same amount? Now, no. is the quarterback have an agent and now he's going to negotiate what he gets paid and what's the backup wide receiver negotiate? I know, I know we I have mean, that but, in the NFL. I just say, but it's, it's, it's also already happening in right. the NIL world. Like, I understand not a lot of that's on record, but it sounds like there's a fair amount of negotiating already going on around right. the sport for things like that. So, like, yes, it would be the open market. Yes, some players would make more than others. Like is already happening. Well, no, now. no, and that's fine. I, I, I'm just saying that there's going to be a process to it. And I know it's out there. It's, I think it's going to be obviously easier said than done. And would you agree that it will not happen until football separates from everything else? Well, yeah, no, I think those two things would happen hand yeah. in hand. And obviously there's going to be a lot of legal stuff that has to happen right. to make this possible. But I guess the whole point for me about the process is when enough rich people are motivated to get something done, it seems to get done. That's been the story of college That's sports true. is when enough people that are controlled and tying to the money want to get something done, Two teams can move a conference in the dead of night. Two more teams can move a conference in the dead of night a year later, and now Colorado can unseat the entire apple cart. And now we're getting to the point where Florida State's talking about independent financing with like J.P. Morgan Chase. Rich people want stuff done. Rich people get stuff done. Here's the next thing, though. Uh, if you're going to unionize and you're going to get a CBA and you're going to wear revenue share, do the uh, school presidents want to give up 50% of their revenue? Well, that's going to be the real crux of this yeah. is coaches can want this all they want. So they're, they're, they're not affected. School presidents are yes. always the ones making this decision. It just seems we're getting to the point, and this has been a point echoed by a lot of these coaches where, and Jim Harbaugh mentioned, it's hard to ignore the way the system is now. It's been hard to ignore for a while as all the money stacked up around the players in the middle who weren't getting any for the longest time. But it still looks more and more like a business and more and more like a junior NFL with each passing day because of the decisions of the adults. Not the portal, not anything else the players are doing. That's on the grown-ups. Completely agree. The only thing I'll say is in the NFL, when the owners are all in the room, it's all about how much money is going in my pocket. Those owners equate to the presidents at the schools. Those are the owners. Those are the ones making decisions. And now you're telling those presidents half your money from the revenue will be taken out of your pocket and away from your school. That's going to be a huge sticking well, point. As That's Nick, why I don't as think Nick Saban pointed out, though, it's not revenue for them. It's reinvested. 
into all the rest of the sports. It's reinvested into facilities because all these NCAA schools are technically nonprofit. So it's not revenue you carry over. And that would change a lot. If you break that all away, you've had a couple sports funding everybody else right now, gonna drastically change the model for a lot of people. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that works out, Dad. One other thing that's a little interesting, we mentioned Nick Saban going into the starting of the season, not releasing a depth chart for the first time in his career at Alabama. Does this surprise you at all? I, I just don't understand it, but it's Nick Saban, one of the greatest coaches of all time, so you wonder what his reasoning is because it sounds like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth when he gives the explanation. He said, I don't want to do it because of the distraction in the locker room, but then he also said players know where they stand in the locker room. So it's like, well, if they know where they stand, why do you care about putting it down in print? But it's Nick Saban. So while I initially read that and said, well, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense, much like if Bill Belichick pulls a move out, you're like, wait a minute, he's got a lot of hardware to say he makes the right moves or decisions. So with Nick Saban, I'm thinking, what is there? What, what is it? Does it have something to do with the portal? You know, what, what is the reasoning to let second string and third string kids let them not see it in print that they're second and third string players. There's got to be something to that. That's the thing. Nick Saban big brains us all. Like I immediately yeah. start going galaxy brain takes. I'm Charlie at the board trying to connect all the strings here. And I'm really not sure, like, is he trying to run interference for the quarterback competition that still doesn't appear to be resolved? You look at their counterparts at Ohio State, it seems like they're going to Michigan th this thing and take that competition into the regular season because their schedule allows for it at the beginning. We haven't heard anything about Jalen Milrow or Tyler Buckner or what's going on in that quarterback room. And maybe knowing that that's going to be the focus for so many people, do you just say, well, we're not going to do it for anyone. And you can be mad at me, Nick Saban, for not giving you the media as he tried to kind of spin it on them for not giving what you want on that standpoint. And maybe you'll then quietly forget to actually have to talk about anything that's going on with the uh, quarterback position that's the elephant in the room right now. Pun not intended, but very much appreciated there. Yeah, th this one surprised me a little bit. As I said, there's got to be a reason Nick Saban did it, but it seems odd. It, it, it does seem, and, and he said it right, players know anyway. Players well, know. And we're living in an era right now where that distinction is going to become even more important. Look at LSU and Brian Kelly, who are now right. going to put out injury designations right. at points throughout the week. We'll wait and see if that takes on and becomes more of a trend. Coming up next, though, let's look at some trends in the MLB MVP voting here. One player emphatically stating his case a very different way last night. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. 
In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Back here on Gojo and Golik, we are about 15 minutes away from being joined by Super Bowl winning head coach, former Super Bowl winning head coach, Bruce Arians on the show to answer some questions about a couple of his old teams, quite frankly. Yeah, plus, boy, the roster of the team, you know, now in Tampa Bay, talking about Arizona's roster, Tampa Bay, not looking great either. No, exactly. As we talked about people who are... I guess collapsing for Caleb was a good uh, oh, is slogan. That the line? Is that what we got? It was going? a good slogan. I saw. I feel like we need to come up with one for Drake May too, who's very much a one B in that conversation. Collapsing for Caleb. That's a good one. Yeah, for Drake. For Drake. We got to think of that. Yeah, yeah. we got to think of that one. Uh, listen, at Gojo Show on Twitter, we huh. still haven't got to change the handle yet. But if you've got any suggestions for the tank name for Drake May, we're taking suggestions because collapse for Caleb seems perfect. Does it applies seem a bit of an implosion yeah. here. We always love that as a possibility. So miss it for May. Oh, oh, you know what? Not well, bad. you know, I've been around a while. Not miss bad. it for May. It's not the not first bad. tank job this guy has yeah. seen. Um, <laughs> Dad, speaking of questionable organizational decisions. We are watching one play out in real time right now with the uh, Angels of Los Angeles in Major League Baseball here. Shout out to our buddy Jared Carabas, yeah. who called it, came on with us in the show almost right after the Angels decided at the trade deadline, we're going to forego moving Shohei Itani. We're going to be buyers at the deadline. We're going to give this a shot, and it's gone. It's been horrible after that. They've been a bad baseball team, and Shohei Itani's UCL injury that got announced the other week certainly seems to have affected not only the balance of power in this season for the Angels, as he will no longer pitch but is going to go out here and continue hitting. We don't know the severity of the injury, but, Dad, it feels pretty safe to say at this point this decision could not have gone any more disastrously for the Angels and their star prospect. I mean, just amazing. Uh, This was a team, too, that we're talking about looking to to make the playoffs. You know, they were close to the wild card. Now 11 and a half out of the wild card, so that's obviously going away. And with this player, Shoei Otani, what he's been doing and the thought that – his deal was going to start with the number six is incredible, is incredible. And now what happens? You know, again, he had the Tommy John surgery in 2018, uh, came back from that, was just a hitter. He tore, tore the UCL last week in the first game of a doubleheader and batted in the second game. I mean, savage. Dude is unreal. On his own, just as a hitter, would get that three to $400 million deal easily. He's one of the best hitters, if not the best hitter in baseball. So now, how much does that get hurt if he can't pitch anymore? Because now you're coming off two Tommy Johns. Go ahead and check the list of players doing that, you know, and being successful. Uh, Very, very difficult there. So you got to believe, even if he's coming back to pitch, there's a limit on that going forward. But the stick is still fantastic. We know that. So he's going to get a monster deal. Maybe not that monster deal we thought. Poor guy. He's looking at like $500 million instead of $600 million. But amazing? did you guys see that, you know, reports came out that he turned down the Angels' offer of imaging on the elbow like two weeks before the injury. 
So he was just like... Well, yeah, because he had been dealing with elbow right. soreness. Yeah. That had been the thing right. we'd seen. It actually caused him to exit a couple of starts a little bit early yep. as And a they were pitcher. like, let's take a look. And he was like, no, thank you. Yeah, no. I don't want to know. Not for me. I mean, <laughs> he did not want to know, you mm-hmm. know, what's going on. And the dude I just mean, wants to play. Has the tear and goes and bats in game two of the, the doubleheader after tearing it in game one. Guy, guy, you know, loves to play ball. He, well, he does, but we also, he's one of those we don't hear a ton from. No, he has yeah. been pretty silent on this publicly since it happened. The team has been speaking a lot about his status and what's going to happen going forward. But Shohei has kind of laid quietly here, gone about his business, and it's going to be very curious how that affects the way that he's perceived in free agency because we don't know so much. No, no. We don't know if he's going to have to have surgery at that point. We don't really know the full severity of this injury. And so how that's going to play into the most fascinating free agency case we've seen and the fact that we might have to mourn the loss of one of the coolest spectacles baseball's had in a long time, probably the coolest one. Yeah, and and you're right about us not knowing, but you have to know that his pitching days are either over or numbered, right? I mean, you you can't think there's going to be a lot of longevity there coming off two Tommy John's. If if, if he he has to have have another one. But usually we see it that it leads to it. You try and do treatment, you know, and and, and try and get away with not, not having surgery. And a lot of times you end up having the surgery. So... I just, I just have to believe anybody signing him going and knowing that the pitching days have to be numbered. And, and while that does stink, I will still say the most entertaining thing that I see Shohei Atani do is routinely send baseballs to meet the god of their choosing. Yeah. He hits baseballs the way you do with the fully powered up bat in Super Smash Brothers. It makes the same sound. It's delightful. That is why he's a guy who has maintained a firm status in the MVP conversation. But Jesse, we know that that is changing across the league right now as well. Yeah, Mookie Betts, okay, in two weeks, he went from long shot to odds on favorite to win the National League MVP. Pretty crazy what he's done over two weeks, an absolute tear. Leading MLB with 22 hits, 550 batting average. Hot streak has really cap- catapulted him past Ronald Acuna Jr. But Ronald Acuna Jr., let's talk about this. He's out there making his case for MVP after his performance last night um, against a couple of fans. Yeah, yeah. so I, apparently baseball is too easy for Ronald Acuna yeah. Jr. Now mm-hmm. he also went 4-5 last what night with 5 yeah. RBI. Yeah. So... The guy's good. Best player on the best team in baseball. Usually seems like a pretty easy formula for MVPs in most leagues. But, Dad, how about that instance in the outfield? So they're playing in Colorado, and a couple of fans go down on the field. And I've never seen this, where you see fans charging. And we always talk about, man, that's their place of business. You never know what someone's storming the field with. It's why I always root for any fan who enters the field of play to get absolutely smoked by security, a player. I want to see you get rocked real hard. They usually won't show it on the broadcast, so no, I'm they on some sort of fan footage. Yeah, they go to the camera and yeah, take it away, yeah. In this case, Ronald Acuna Jr., who's already one of the coolest dudes on yep. the planet, yep. apparently just seemed to be even cooler under pressure here. He's got an arm around Buddy and looked like he was holding the cell phone to take the selfie before the first person on the field was apprehended by security there. That was incredible. And we're about it, to learn the difference between cool and cool. Thank yeah. you very much. Okay. So, yeah, so that was cool, but it wasn't cool. Okay. So it was very cool that that's how he interacted with the fan, right? They got arms around each other. He looks like he's going to take the picture. That's cool in a vacuum, okay? It's not cool as a player and a fan running on the field and interacting in that. You can't do it. You can't, because all that does is see the next drunk fan that says, Ronald Acuna was going to take the picture with that guy. I'm going to run out and get a picture with my guy. 
It's just going to entice them. That was my drunk kind of drunk. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I was, you made, the slurring made it. We got it. Yeah. got it. You got that? Yeah. Okay. So it's going to make others say, well, he was pretty cool about it. I'm going to run out and see if my favorite player is cool about it. You can't do it. It's as cool as that look, and nobody got hurt, but you have zero idea what somebody's running out there to do. And by, by taking the picture with the guy, which, as I said, is cool. It's a cool thing, but you can't do it. Because it's gonna, you know, you know, fans, they're nuts. And someone's gonna have too much to drink, and they're gonna remember that moment and say, I'm gonna go out and take try and get a picture with my guy. So that was the not cool part. You cannot do that. So is the picture with Ronald Acuna Jr., because this ends up being the calculus, is that worth what is likely a lifetime ban from at least that stadium? Because we've seen most of these <clears throat> leagues, when something happens with a fan, that's usually the crackdown they go to to try and disincentivize this behavior. So if you're a fan doing the math in your head, and like you said, it might be drunk math, is it worth it to go get potentially one of the coolest selfies ever to never be able to go back to that ballpark? Never. Yeah. Well, Jesse, you were talking about this before. What What's the thought process in your mind before you run out there? So my point is that there... In my mind, I feel like there's no way that this was a plan in your head before you get to that game. It is something that percolates, that marinates when you've had about five beers, and then when you're on eight or nine, it becomes a good idea. Yeah. Because there's no way that you go in there, if that's really your favorite player and you're willing to risk it all, you can never go watch them play baseball again. I... I my brain has been so screwed up by what YouTube and social media has done to people because <laughs> I feel like in the name of chasing clout, there are very few things that people won't do with So you this mean point. hashtag content. It was for that content. That's and, what I mean. but, but you have to know, right, you're never going to be in another stadium again, in that stadium again. And you wonder, did he have buddies where he said, I'm going to do it. Each beer, yeah. they were like, go on, you ready Let's to go? go. Oh, one more beer, it. one more beer, and then I'll do it. And he had buddies, kind of the mob mentality of egging him on. And then he ran out there and his buddies went, what an idiot. I'm just, I'm just saying, we talked about it, Mookie Betts was the odds-on favorite in the MVP race. And then last night, we saw some baseball. We saw that. Who's to say exactly which had more effect on Ronald Acuna Jr. going back to being the favorite on DK Sportsbook? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Coming up next, though, let's get a little insight on what the transition looks like going from a Hall of Famer to a question mark at the most important position in football with former head coach Bruce Arians. Next. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik live from our Boston studios. I'm Jesse Cofield. We have another full hour of our show coming up, so don't go anywhere. But at 10 a.m. on the DK Network, catch up with the latest edition of the GM Shuffle with Michael Lombardi, all our friends over at VSIN. It's going to be awesome. But like I said, our show continues with another elite guest for us on day two. Fellas, take it away. Bring in our special guest. Yeah, very excited for this one here. As we move into finally getting close to the start, we are putting preseason in the rearview mirror. We're getting ready for the start of the NFL season. And so to help walk us through that and figure out how to do that at a championship level, our former Super Bowl winning head coach, Bruce Arians, kind enough to join us now here on the show. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great, guys. Good morning. 
Good morning, Coach. And, and, and first, this is a day that, that uh, both Mike and myself have felt and thousands of players have felt over the decades of football, that cut day. So from a coaching standpoint, how difficult, we know the player side, but for a coach, you get to know these guys a little bit. Talk about this day. Yeah, it's the hardest day of the year. I mean, every year uh, you're going to get rid of somebody that uh, that you fell in love with because the guys you cut are usually those guys who are overachievers that work so damn hard and and put everything out there for for you and, and you got to let them go. It, uh, it it's a day. It always takes me a day to get over with. And, and certainly one now still intimately involved with a senior advisor there helping out the front office in Tampa Bay, where you were the head coach when they won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady. You brought all that joy to the organization, and now you're helping shepherd through the transition. What's this offseason been like as the Buccaneers have finally said goodbye to Tom Brady and are getting ready to start the Baker Mayfield era quarterback? Yeah, I think just like every other year, you know, every team's new. You, you never have the same guys every year. We were so blessed to bring that Super Bowl team back and, and try to repeat. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different – it's a new beginning. Um, it's not like we're starting over with a guy who's never played before. Uh, and I, I love both our quarterbacks. I, I think um, the quarterback room is very, very solid. And uh, always been a Baker Mayfield fan. I was actually did a couple of his games when I was at CBS. Got to know him a little bit. And uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think our football team is is in a great spot right now. We're coming out of camp pretty healthy. Bruce, talk about constructing a team. We saw the Rams make all those trades and don't have a, a first round pick until it seems like you know 2050. But they won a Super Bowl, so all makes it worth it. You guys, you know, you bring in players, you sign deals that you were going to have some dead money at the end of, or some decisions to make. But you get a Super Bowl out of. It. Then you sign all the starters coming back the next year. So as long as you get that Super Bowl, is anything that could prove to be future detrimental to the team? Is it all worth it? just to get that, that Super Bowl uh, championship? I would say yes. I would say yes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, you try to do it, and I think Jason Lace has done an amazing job of, of keeping the core of young players and not overselling the farm for the Super Bowl. And, you know, we, we brought in some guys that year that helped us get there. And uh, the next year, it didn't work out. But uh, Jason did a great job with the cap. And uh, but bringing in the young players, I mean, this is still a very good young football team. Certainly a lot of hopes for your guys' football team. Uh, Bruce, I want to look around to another situation we've got in the NFL, sort of similar to what you dealt with. The New York Jets are getting ready to walk into this season. They had a future Hall of Famer and Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. And obviously there's a lot of high hopes and expectations on the outside. But from your experience, bringing in Tom Brady, another future Hall of Famer, the greatest quarterback we've ever seen, what is that like for everybody in the building as the expectations sort of adjust on the fly? I think what's overlooked is how much it helps your defense. You know, when the defense find when they know they're going to score points uh, and they're going to play with the lead more than they've ever played with, and that pass rush is going to be dynamic. Uh, I, I think that's the thing that your your guys on defense learn to play with the lead, and and they're not always playing from behind um, because the offense was struggling and turning the ball over. Uh, and that's not going to happen with Aaron. They're going to move the football. They're going to score points, and I think the Jets are going to be one hell of an exciting team. And then the other side of it, maybe the, the side where maybe it doesn't help your defense, we have three teams where they're starting rookie quarterbacks. You've dealt with so, so many quarterbacks over your career. Talk about that now. Now that makes it a little more difficult and just the expectations of a team when you start a rookie quarterback. 
Yeah, I think everybody gets real, real excited. You know, that, that, that first round pick, that first pick of the draft usually going to the worst team in the league. Uh, but it does bring a lot of hope. But you've got to live with the, with the, the mistakes. They're going to happen. It's only way to, for me, it's the only way to learn how to play the game and get better is put him out there. Um, hopefully you have some success um, in that first year that you can build every single day and practice off of. I go back to Peyton Manning. We're three and thirteen, but was fun to go to practice every day because we saw each other getting better. And uh, Angel Bill Pullen was going to build that thing and get the defense right. Uh, and the next year we're thirteen and three. So I think that first year it's just learning how to go through the ups and downs and handle the success and the failures. How tough can that be though for the rest of the locker room, especially veterans? And you have X amount of time in the NFL, and you kind of know that that first year is going to be a learning curve for the quarterback, so it's not going to be a great year. What does that do for the seven- or eight-year vet in the locker room? Yeah, I think, you know, Mike, you've been there, so it's like, you know, this kid's going to be good. We know he's our future. Um, let's play better defense. Let's do something to help this guy win. And uh, so I think when you're you're on those teams, you know, I looked at Ben. When Ben walked into Pittsburgh, we had the best defense in the league and a hell of a running game. So for him, it was just let's win third down in two minutes and uh, – and Kenny Wisdom, I did a great job with him that, that rookie year, uh, winning 15 in a row. And so each, each situation is so different. I think the guys that get drifted one, two, three, they're going to those teams that are going to struggle. Uh, but you see hope every single day in practice. It's a great thing to see. And being out there every day in practice, you're used to going and trying to help those guys get to their best on the field. You've been known for your work with quarterbacks over the years. Your job title's changed a lot over the last couple of seasons. I'm curious what the transition's been like for you now. Do you miss that feeling of being out in the grass with everybody and having your hand in the pile every day? Yeah, I, I got so lucky. I got weaned off just right last year. I went to <laughs> practice every day, went to every game, then I went and played golf. Uh, and uh, <laughs> sat in the meetings on Mondays and I thought I was around way too much. And this year I, I stayed away, uh, just talking with Jason on the phone and doing things and watching film and, and uh, from up here at Lake Coney. So uh, I'm anxious to watch this football team. I, I, we're really, really talented defensively, and, uh, and I like where we're heading offensively. Uh, it's going to be an exciting season. We're glad it's finally here, yeah. and we can't wait to see the Bucks and the rest of the NFL kick off very, very soon. Coach, we appreciate the time. Thank you so much, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you as the season goes along. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, hope to see you guys down the road, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks, Bruce. Dad, the Bucks. Prayers really, out to all those people down in Florida for that hurricane. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Great note there. Obviously, Thanks, a Bruce. lot of the serious things yeah. outside oh, yeah. of the world of sports oh. always have a way of, of sort of resetting and reframing that conversation. <laughs> yeah. Dad, the conversation around the Buccaneers is fascinating heading into this season because there's no doubt, while Bruce pointed out, Baker's a guy that's played football before. It's been a roller coaster yeah, during his time yeah. in the league, and you're coming off having the greatest quarterback to ever play professional football be the guy at the helm there. We've seen what it's done for that Jets team in the offense, the way they've responded on hard knocks here. I got to imagine it's an interesting transition for Mike Evans and a lot of those skill guys who have been used to one thing and are now having to relearn a completely different deal. You know, and as I, as I said, they did it a little differently than the Rams who made all the trades that they did with the Bucks. They signed some big deals to players that yeah. that was going to come a calling at some point, right? Where you're going to have to make decisions on those players with dead money, or do you do you get rid of them? So you were really living for those, and I get it. It's Tom Brady. You're living for those few years to do everything you can, and it may cost you a little bit on the back end. The roster is clearly not what it was. You now lost your leader on the O line and Ryan Jensen, the yeah. center again. 
so that, 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 that's two years in a row now. Uh, such a tough player there. So this is a little rebuilding for them. Baker Mayfield, I don't think anybody believes he is the quarterback of the, for the next eight years of that team. He's had some good games. He's had some bad games, but he's moved around for a reason. Yeah. So th- this is kind of a team in transition here a bit. And, and, and it is strange, though, because we talk about them and you see whether it's the FPI over at ESPN or the FTN Almanac, a lot of people are projecting them to be near the bottom of the league, potentially in the conversation for that right. number one overall pick. But with some of the talent still in the receiver room there, certainly some of the young players on defense, it's going to be interesting to see where they exist. Baker Mayfield, I said, he should be the next Ryan Fitzpatrick. We right. should just send him as a mercenary out to teams, have him give us fun games like the Rams-Raiders Va- oh, uh, Thursday unreal. night game yeah. where yeah. he rolls in on short notice and then roll the dice. But it's going to be fascinating to watch where they slot in going forward. Coming up next, though, let's talk about more veteran players. Struggling with something you may identify with, Dad. <laughs> Feeling a little bit too old in the locker room. That's next here. Gojo and Golik, hour number two.